Hey, hey, good evening, Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. Uh, tonight, I have a, 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 a very unique guest. Um, I would say special guest. Um, but uh, one, of the, one of the things that we always try to say is listen to our youth. And um, one of the things that I like to do on the show is I like to bring um, younger, younger people on from time to time um, because sometimes we don't listen to them. And sometimes we don't realize how uh, they're doing extraordinary things in our communities. Um, and they are, we've always said, the younger generation is our future. I don't consider this man too much younger than me, but it's um, he, he's an interesting young man. Um, I know I know his mom and his dad. Um, his name, his, his father is like a, a big OG in the town that uh, I grew up in. Uh, it's very interesting even calling him the same name and his father. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's different for me. So uh, we got Reggie Parker here this, uh, this early evening. Reggie, ex ex explain to the audience um, where you grew up at, how you grew up. Yeah, so like I said, you know my dad, big Reg as, as it were. And uh, you know, when I was growing up, he was in the Air Force. So we spent a decent amount of time like Andrews Air Force Base. So I grew up in Maryland. I grew up near DC. So, you know, that that was basically where my roots were starting out. So, so, so you basically grew up at Andrews Air Force Base, understood um, the military life. You was, as they say, military brat. I won't consider you a brat. Right. <laughs> but so you, so you understood um, what would you consider a branch of government? Um, talk about your high school and uh, college and stuff. Yeah. So, in high school, I went to um, the school in. It's in Maryland, but people think it's in D.C. It's called Dematha. It was a you know Catholic. High school, pretty uh, well known for sports and like academics. So, you know, college life was pretty, you know, not easy, but, you know, I was prepared for it going in. And when I went to school, I went to uh, Rutgers. So that's where my Jersey roots are now. Um, I'm still in that area near the school. And when I was there, I studied political science. Yeah. Okay. So political science was your major. Yes. Yeah. Oh, great. Because we know we're going to definitely dive into oh, yeah. that. I know that. Uh... <laughs> I know that once at um, the Matha, and I'm quite sure your uncle told you about the history of that school, and he was probably proud of you when you went to um, the Matha's high school student, because you know when me and him was in high school, we used to actually, he used to always bring the parade all American thing to school, and we talk about high school sports. I mean, we used to go back and forth with high school sports even when we were in high school. So uh, let me ask you, what made you go to college and? major in political science what was that itch for for politics i think it's just the the culture of dc you know growing up in it you know most people that live there you know in the area i was in a lot of people parents had government jobs and stuff like that you know that you're right there you're near the white house you could take a metro and be near the washington monument or uh in front of the white house in like 30 minutes so i you know i like the culture and i wanted to learn more about that that world and um you know, that was probably what drove me to study it when I was in college. Yeah, that's that's funny you said that because I, I got a I got a friend of mine that's um originally from New York and he lives he lives down there and he said, Man, listen, he said if you uh if you from the New York area, any area outside of DC and you get a two one two phone call, answer that call because you never know who it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Basically it could be a politician, it could be anybody on the phone. Um 
So you graduated, you graduated from Rutgers, which is, you know, beautiful campus. And I know that you had ran um, for yeah. politics last year. Yeah, explain, so, explain what you had did with that. With committeemen? Yeah, so um, at one point, my wife ran for a Democratic committee um, just because after school, I've been in the area, I know some like local journalists and they got me, edged me into that politics world. And uh, last year, one of the schools near here, um, they were thinking about selling the school. And, you know, the Board of Ed, it was a whole controversy between the community and the board and someone, you know, convinced me, hey, you should run. So I ended up um, getting on the ballot, me and a, a team, we called ourselves the Students First Campaign. And in the middle of that campaign, COVID. <laughs> So, wow. yeah. So the vote was in April. And, you know, if you know anything about like small politics, you got to knock on doors, you got to fundraise and stuff like that. It's hard in this environment. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we so we're going we're going to just shift from the politics mm -hmm. just one minute. I know that you, you you work in the financial sector. What what drove you to that? Like, what was that experience like? You know, I mean, after like 08, getting out of college and stuff like that, when you need a job <laughs> and actually too it's it's actually weirdly connected like i would say my political background helps me with finance especially since trump got in office like politics and the market are like this now and okay constantly you know paying attention because if a tweet goes out you know some stocks might jump they might drop and someone calls me and says hey what's going on you got to be informed so it's actually been helpful <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Behind the scenes, uh, you know, we had, we agreed that um, the president now is like, um, let me just say President Trump because I don't know if he's the president now, but let's just say President Trump. Uh, uh, he's going to go down as very polarizing, for lack mm -hmm. of better words. Um, let me ask you about your uh, your side thing you do, your co your comedy, oh, yeah. man. Let's let's talk about that. Wait, I mean, you're a jack of all trades, man. I I can't. <laughs> I can't stop, you know, like, uh, I, I, I drive my wife crazy because, you know, I get out of work and now I'm on a laptop, I'm on a podcast. I'm off a podcast, I'm going to some show. After the show, you know, someone wants to talk politics, I'm doing that. So I don't know how to just sit still, you know, so I'm constantly looking for things to do. And comedy, um, I started in D.C. and it was like a thing because, like, you know, I'm sure you know my dad, he's, he's a fun guy, yeah. he's a lot of guy. And I think kind of following his footsteps, I'm not as animated, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but like on stage, I think that's when I start to. Oh, you know. so you, so you actually are comfortable on stage, you know, you know, don't have, as they say, stage fright, able to uh, have that relationship with the crowd. That's, that's, wow, that's, that's good wheelhouse to have. A lot of people could be funny and not get on stage and can't say nothing. Some of the, some of the funniest people I know aren't comics. Like, Regular people are funny, but comedy is is like um, they say you know it's an art, but like you you practice certain things. So there's a rhythm that you follow when you're up there. There's certain things that through practice you uh, you know this works, this doesn't work, and that's really all it is. Like hitting the reps, getting in the gym, as we call it, like an open mic. And the more reps you get, the better you get, the faster you are, and it's but it's a grind because you know. The, I gotta you know, put, I gotta, I gotta put you on the spot. I gotta put you on the spot. Yeah. Give, give me your top three all-time comedians. Yeah. So everyone, everyone's gonna give you prior, right? You know, that's just that's a given. Um, my sleeper pick is Robin Harris back in the day, because I just thought like his style was so so cool. Um, 
I got a huge list, but like uh, being like 100% someone that I saw and got to see perform, I don't know if you know him, but Patrice O'Neal was okay. uh, just, that guy was quick, could just rope anybody, um, and he, he pushed it, you know? Like he always pushed his joke and made people uncomfortable, but brought it back to the like, this is where I'm coming from. And I think that style is, it's the hardest style in my opinion. Yeah, I, I got I got three favorite comedians. A lot of people don't know when I come when I always say one name, they'd be looking at me like I'm crazy. It's, it's Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Uh, I love I love your, your your neighbor. Dave is my guy. Yeah, I love Dave Chappelle. And my last one, uh, she don't do comedy no more. She kind of like retired. I was a big Carol Carol Burnett fan when I was a kid, man. I just think she's just funny. But you know, everybody always look at me and be like, "Huh, hey, Carol Burnett?" But you know, so who? Let me ask you. Who are your biggest political influences? I mean, I think if you're in my generation, you know, Obama just jumps out at you right right away. Um, just the way he carried himself, the way he was able to kind of elevate himself. If you look at Obama, like at the time, people were questioning him because it's like, hey, this guy's young. He's only been in the Senate for a certain amount of time, but some people just have it. And like he he had it. Like that thing where People could get behind you, and I think he's a—he's an incredible political figure. And in the modern era, right now, I would say uh, Stacey Abrams out of Georgia. She didn't really win um, a bit—the office that she went for recently, which you know, winning's not everything, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because what she's doing on the ground is actually influencing the election today. So people don't focus on the small time as as much as they should. All right, one more. You got one more. You got—you gave me two. You gave me see see President Obama that that charisma um that can't be that can't mm-hmm. be you can't learn that that just had to be innate I would say uh so I would definitely see that and I know why Stacey Abrams I, I she's um her and Nina Turner is something about them two young yeah. ladies I don't think they get the credit that they deserve uh being thinkers being forward thinkers um I actually listen to Nina Turner on her podcast a lot so. Very interesting. So you don't have another one? You don't have three? So, because, you know, I studied political science and then you start going back. Uh, like uh, Roosevelt, FDR, I like the way he stepped up in a moment where, you know, we were kind of like, it's kind of like now, like we're, we're right here and it's like, are we going this direction? Or are we going that direction? And uh, he really sort of changed the way the White House functioned. And, um, you know, politically, historically, he's one of my favorites. So let me ask you, uh, I, I, I always mess with people when, when I go, when, you know, like I always say that I'm a layman. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lot of, a lot of us have a basic understanding of civics sure. and, and have a basic understanding of, of, of government. Um, so I never really, really got a chance to, to really talk to a person that was a political science major um, and really understood the political world. That's not... You know, sometimes we watch the news, and um, I'm not a mainstream news type of person, unfortunately, because I just think it's too sided either to the left or the right, and I think that they um, they give opinions, so to say. Yeah. So we we were talking behind the scenes, and um, I was saying how right now what's going on, this is like, like you said, this is the Super Bowl going on for you. Yeah. You, this is palm sweaty watching what's going on. Explain to us the the importance 
or unimportance of the electrical college, which you say is, you know, I'm I'm all ears. I don't really know enough. I, I'm not one of those people that just be like, get rid of electrical college and not really understand the full history of it. Could you explain that to us? Sure. So the electoral college is controversial for um, a couple of reasons. Sorry about my camera here. But um, with the electoral college, what you have is a system that's designed to basically give representation to uh, sort of just different parts of the uh, electorate. Because if you if you ran it off the popular vote, the theory was you would be take a city like New York and California, run up the score there and the whole rest of the country doesn't really have a say. So it's designed to try to help balance that out. And in some ways it does. And in some ways, I think uh, I'm not necessarily an abolished electoral college guy. I think that's not quite the answer. I think it could be tweaked a little bit. But uh, if, if you look at these elections and even President Trump, like you mentioned, the last time out of the last nine elections, um, Democrats have won like seven of them, like in terms of the popular vote. But they've only had the presidency a set amount of times. Like Trump didn't get more votes. Um, I believe the first time Bush ran, I think that was Bush Gore. You know, he didn't have the popular vote and it allows the system where you know, it's not about the most popular guy. It's about the person who can game that that system. And, you know, part of, part of it, like I said, I, I get the intention, but I think when you see what's happening, like even in the Senate, for instance, you got uh, a large part of the population, like the cities that we're in, that have like 30% representation, but it's 70% of the, mm. of the so you got to, you know, you got to figure that out, um, I think. And, you know, I'm not fully a, it should just be the popular vote because I think that's how you get into trouble. I think you get more celebrities as president in that situation. So it's, you know, it needs a tweak, but um, that's kind of a quick breakdown, I think. Okay. So, so, so we talk about this, uh, this Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. What, what's going on? I, you know, it's funny. I don't think I told you this behind the scenes, but I can tell you now. Mm -hmm. I am a resident of Pennsylvania. Ah, okay. So, and I know what, I know, and, I, and it's funny because I said the last um, election in um, 16, I said, I told a friend of mine, he's going to win Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, for those that don't know, um, Pennsylvania is a very, I would call it a purple state. It's not red or blue. It's red. It's real blue in certain areas and real red in certain areas. So this is why we're held up. Um, Pennsylvania, I guess, is holding the country up because it has all these delegates at stake. Um, explain to us what is going on, if, if, if you understand it. Yeah. So what you're what you're seeing here is, um, and this is where some of the controversy is coming because, like you mentioned, the Super Bowl, you got two teams, right? You got red and blue, and like you mentioned, media, you got an opinion over here, an opinion over here about what's going on. But ultimately, if you break this down, what I think is happening is because of COVID and uh, the current president, he made a big emphasis on showing up in person to vote, right? The Democrats took a strategy of mail ballots or early votes and stuff like that. And what you're seeing is on the day of Trump just running up these numbers, you know, just blowing out these states. And now these ballots are getting counted now. And what's happening is because of that emphasis, this is more democratic than usual in terms of 
the Democrats themselves uh, doing mail ballots. Because you're watching Pennsylvania and the votes. Looks like he's got a huge lead and it just keeps coming down and coming down. And that's happening in a lot of places um, sort of unexpectedly. The problem, I think, with it, though, is uh, we're sort of a conspiracy-minded electorate right now. And any sort of, like, confusion, delay, uh, process, you're getting more of that polarization you talked about. And you have a segment of the population that thinks these aren't real ballots coming in that are getting counted. You got a segment that, you know, you can't convince them otherwise. And uh, overall, I think this election is actually being run very smooth. Um, outside of says, the actual says, says the political science major. Got a, you got people going crazy, pulling their hair, talking about yeah. they're stressed out. <laughs> that that comes from sort of a lack of like understanding. And you know, not not to say that people don't understand voting, but you know, they're not. There's so many different processes. Each state has its own rules. So you're looking at one place; they got to be done by eight o'clock, November third. You're looking at, uh, I think, Nevada. It can go till the twelfth. Yeah, it's, yeah. I um, what's what's funny is about two weeks ago, I, I put in a group that the justices had ruled that Pennsylvania's mail-in ballots didn't have to be into be in the mail until eight o'clock Tuesday night. Right. So right. a lot of them is just being so. touched in Harrisburg. So. So you would say the process actually is really for for where we're at today. The fact that you could know more or less what's going to happen by the end of this week. That is staggering because no one has ever done this many mail in ballots in this many states. Um, And we knew it was coming, you know, like that's what gets me about like people watching this. All of this was described you know if, if you know where to look and it's you're going to get this influx of ballots it takes time to process and things as simple as just taking a ballot out of an so envelope this, so this so this this is really what true democracy is about right here what's going on what it, this is the process is is going exactly the way it's supposed to go for well <laughs> um <laughs> let's put it this way if if you buy into this political system uh that okay. we have currently which, you know, I think um, we were talking a little bit behind the scenes. There, There's a, more of like a progressive movement. There's a right movement as well. Like you mentioned the Tea Party. There's people that don't like the current system. I mean, honestly, probably most of us <laughs> at this point. Um, but like, if you look at this, this is almost like a, not quite, but like in, in a lot of ways, this is like almost a 50-50 split. Like this is a very close election. Yeah, I, w- I was saying to myself, like, what happens if they both finish with the same amount of electoral vo- votes? It, it, it's very possible. It is. It's it's plausible. I, I'll give it that. It's plausible. Uh, you don't want to see that. Because <laughs> then uh, when that, I just said smooth, it's not going to be smooth. Uh, like a, and that means the Supreme Court gets involved? Yeah, the Supreme Court, the Congress gets involved. There, there's all kinds of little theories that people have. And I think, like you mentioned, the media they throw out these kind of like political nerds, uh, what ifs, and we sit back and we're like, yeah, what happens if they both have 269? And nobody really knows what that looks like. Yeah, and, then, and, then, and then somebody that uh, that remember the law comes back to a law from the 1800s and says, exactly. I remember this law and they put a clause in 
and said this would happen and this and and, and he, that's a very interesting thing and i do um i really commend you for for like i told you educating myself and my audience on this because i think that um we don't understand the nuances of really our political structure and i believe that i i, I said it uh it was president trump but maybe it was president obama who really has us thinking um a little bit more political a little bit more understanding our local elections and understanding our national elections a little bit better and it's good that um that american citizens are starting to understand their political might and understand that that one vote does count yeah, yeah. um let me yeah. ask you I forgot my thought, man. I forgot my thought. I forgot my thought. I forgot my thought. Wow. Wow. I, oh, I had something I wanted to ask you. So l- let me ask you oh, this. This one is, excuse me. It was always pros and cons. One, one of the things that I that I do is I try to listen to the pro-right people and the pro-left people. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know that it was actually a lot of people that didn't like mail-in ballots, period. Is mail-in ballots like I, I know that it always has been reports of flaws, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like you said, we're in a conspiracy age, so yeah, yeah. Um, I think part of it is sort of we we function off of like common sense versus actually like like without acknowledging that someone that has to run these types of systems has to think about that too. Like, for instance, if what happens if it goes to the wrong place? There's signatures on the ballots, there's barcodes on the ballots, you know, you can check a lot of this information. And that's really what what's interesting is that you could look at a voter registration list and say, this is the set number of ballots. And is it matching up with what's coming back um, there? You know, I don't want to tell anybody, you know, what to believe in terms of like uh, ballots and stuff, you know, believe what you want. Um, but in my opinion, it's it's a more or less functioning system. Um, I don't see the major flaws the same way that I think people are seeing this. And I think there's a lot of misrepresentation of the ballots, like you know, like this idea that these ballots are like streaming in right now that are getting counted. It's like no, they they've been there. <laughs> they're they're there. You're just counting them now. No. One one of, one of the things that um you always hear um, from both sides. I like I told you is voter suppression and um i think that you know just just me living in a different area and i'm quite sure you noticed it li- even living in dc compared to living in a hot spot like uh jersey yeah where you know every school um without covid every school is open to place a ballot it's not hard to vote i know that a lot of people said that voter suppression goes on do you think that these individual states that what you know they make it easier or hard for people to vote it depends on who's basically who's running the show right like there's always been things like gerrymandering which like we took the census this year and this is a big election actually because they can redistrict now so like for instance if trump wins it may become harder for certain places to even with a big vote count to go blue you know, so this is an opportunity for both sides to decide uh, how some of these districts get drawn up. Um, you're right about different controversies like less polling places, um, 
there are some that say that like voter ID, for instance, which is like, oh yeah, you should have an ID to vote. Well, if you don't have the money to get an ID or if there's some sort of you know, reason legally or something that you don't want to go to the DMV because maybe you didn't pay, <laughs> you know, some tickets or something like that. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things that look innocent that are actually um, actually harmful for voting, you know? And it's hard, to, it's like impossible to prove <laughs> um, in a lot of ways. So, you know, if you say I'm being suppressed, you know, the other side can make a, you know, rational argument for, well, there should be less ballots because they only use, or excuse me, polling places because only 20% of them get used and it, it allows for things like you saw in Texas where they basically got down to one um, ballot box in a place that was the size of Rhode Island. You know, like this is the type of stuff that happens. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times it's targeted towards us. I think there's been a long history and by us. I mean, African-Americans, black people. Um, there's been a history, whether it's poll taxes, whether, you know, just different things that we've had to struggle with um, as people to, to actually get to the ballot. Like that still goes on. It's just uh, it's a little bit more kind of sanitized and, uh, you know. Yeah. One, of, one, one of the things that I had been um, talking with, a, with another show that I do a lot of people don't understand that half of the country doesn't even have Wi-Fi. Right. And, and being from big cities like New Jersey, places in New Jersey and New York and certain areas, you'd be like, what do you mean people don't got Wi-Fi? But literally half of the country don't have Wi-Fi. So right. me understanding that, I could see how in real rural areas, a person um, is known, everybody knows the person, but they might not even have a valid ID. Right, and um, it may seem like oh, that's just one person, but this can happen all over. Um, with valid ID, not having their um, being a registered vote, and it, it didn't take long for for myself to register to vote. But could you imagine not having access to the internet? Right, right. To register These are the things vote. that you know, in a lot of ways, we're all in our kind of our own bubble, right? So, you know, um, over the past couple of days, and uh, it's getting closer, right? The Georgia race right now for president, the presidency is very close. I mean, we're, I think at this point we're within 7,000 votes. Wow. And I've been talking to people throughout the week and I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm looking at these numbers cause I, you know, I nerd out and stuff and I'm like, Georgia's in play. And I, every day I talk to someone, it's like, no, no, Georgia's not in play. And that mentality right there actually permeates. Like if you live somewhere and for 40 years, every time you voted, it didn't matter. Because the exact opposite thing of what you wanted happens. At a certain point, you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And and, and, and I know that's you know, and and you know you never you never told me your your personal political affiliation, um, but you just said you you ran for the Democratic thing, so your wife yeah. did. So, so, so I, and I know and I know Georgia being in play, kind of makes you feel happy being a Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna say you're a fan. Stacey Abrams is a political influencer. And like, wouldn't that be something if Georgia delivers the Democratic Party the presidency after what she went through? Yeah. And you know, th that was a clear case. And you know, there again it's controversy, but uh in a lot of ways, I think she pointed out that like there was voter suppression, you know, according to her in Georgia that kept her out. And um it still kind of continues, you know, there's questions about uh, the post office and stuff in Georgia. So, you know, um, I was an independent personally, politically, um, 
to run, I had to like kind of pick a side, and you know, I got. <laughs> yeah, New Jersey does that. You gotta like yeah. pick one, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But, I heard uh, that. <laughs> but I mean, this you know, this stuff's incredible, and I think that as people see that, yeah, this can matter. And uh, for someone like me that ran a local office, it doesn't really matter to an extent what the president does when like my, you know, resident school may get sold, and you know, and. Where do these kids go? They get displaced. Like that's a small 10 person, you know, council of people that nobody knows who they are, you know, and they're, they're making moves in your city. I'm going to ask you a question. This, this is, this, this is kind of, um, uh, me trying to use a little foresight. Um, mm -hmm. I know, um, we, me and your, me and your uncle had talked about this before that if, um, vice president Biden and Senator Harris win, and that means we will only have two black men as black men or black people as senators, um, Tim Scott and um, Cory Booker. Right. Let me, let me, do you think that not, not, this isn't a racial question. This mm -hmm. is more, do you think that it is any body on either side that if they were really put in a position, they could be the one that could be, um, work with people across the aisle, like be very bipartisan. I mean, be like, like, listen, I'm, I know, I know that vice president Biden said, if he wins, he's going to be the president of all the people. And he's, he has even hinted with putting, um, uh, governor Kish. Is uh, it like governor? Kish. Kish was a governor or a Senator. I think it's Senator. Uh, senator Kish. I know you're still about putting Kish from Ohio in, his cabinet, which would be which would be very interesting, yeah. to say the least. Do you think that it's anybody that's like, including them, including uh, uh, Vice President Biden and Kamala Harris, if they win, or anybody up and coming that that's really their politics and they're the, they have that personality that could really reach across the aisle and really unify the country, sort of say. I think that given the current layout. Um, not to be like a pessimist, but I don't see in the current dynamics, um, you know, this sort of, you know, if one side's running it, we're gonna obstruct it. If the other side's running it, they're gonna obstruct it. I don't see it, but um, I could see someone like uh, Sherrod Brown, right? He's a Senator out of um, Ohio, um, who's, it's a red state, but he's a Democratic Senator. And he's, he's actually like sort of a union guy, like a workers type of person. And I think that that's kind of what made Bernie so popular was that he talked about workers and stuff like that in this election, even though, you know, you mentioned race, if you look at the numbers, when they come out, like this actually started to break a little bit through racial lines. There, there was increased voting for people of color for Trump. You know, mm -hmm. you would think that wouldn't happen, but like, that's what happened um, this election. So I think there's a message here that someone needs to seize on. I don't see the person yet, but uh, the message is, that this is a populist movement, kind of what Bernie did, that we're trying to make it better for like your average person. And once they kind of start getting away from more of like the corporate interests and start talking to people, I think someone does have an opportunity to get the type of political capital to go across the aisle. Yeah, I know that um, AOC says some things and, um, <laughs> you know, she's, she's, she's definitely, uh, as I say, she's a she's a lightning rod. With all yeah. due respect, though, for lack of better words, she she's pol she's a she's a younger polarizer. Yeah. Uh, put it okay. that way. 
because um definitely we we you know like you said we're looking at the numbers and i always say that statistics and numbers can um can give you something to build on or it can give you something to look like you know i think that um like tim scott <laughs> Uh, you know he's a very inter- he's a very interesting Republican. Um, I know that he said that he was gonna once his term is over he's gonna leave political life, which is. I think that I think that'd be a big blow for that party because I think he's he's very very uh, good at what he does. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I know that he um, for a lot of people that don't know who Tim Scott is he's he's a Republican senator, but he I know that he does reach across the aisle a lot and um. Yeah. We, I know, man. You had we had talked about the progressives. Um, I told you that I was one of those people that I'm hard on the DNC, um, mm-hmm. and I've been very adamant on um, speaking, I mean, speaking, speaking, speaking about them. <laughs> and and you know, and it's and it's not it's not that um, I I don't like Democrats. It has nothing to do with like. Mm-hmm. It's that I I believe, and even some of the experts kind of coming out that um, you know. My co-host, she always says on the shows when we talk about politics, their messaging is just not good. Um, they that's, don't, they... that's the problem. The the problem is they're trying to run with this playbook. And again, I, you know, I talked about sort of common sense and assumptions. They have a lot of assumptions, you know, like you assume Trump has this language that some deem, you know, like racist rhetoric, right? And you're like, well, how could someone, of a Latino or a black person vote for him? Well, guess what? More, more of those people voted for him um so it's not really the packaging right it's the it's the message and i think that the democratic party right now is very much kind of uh let's put it like this uh woke and they're they're worried about the demographics less than their actual message and i think it's a big weakness that needs to be addressed and i guess i I, I guess that's that's how uh we know in uh 2006 when a junior senator out of Chicago, Illinois who had the charisma basically mm-hmm. took hold of the party. Um, yeah. Took took hold and grabbed the party by his hands and pulled it um, across the finish line for two elections and it's amazing that um, you know, in, in, in my personal opinion, they gotta let President Obama retire and stop, and stop trying to use his uh, progressive way of thinking Instead mm-hmm. of looking at the rest of the people in the party that are that are very progressive, and um, I know a lot of people were upset that, uh, or like I said, I know a lot of people are upset at what's going on with who's the presidency. But you got two people that's still there. Uh, you got Nancy Pelosi and you got Mitch McConnell. <laughs> right. That, that is going to be one in the story of this presidency because it's looking like. The Senate is going to stay in uh, Republican hands, and it looks like the White House, as of now, looks like it's going to go to uh, Joe Biden. So that makes you wonder, like you mentioned, reaching across the aisle, how does that government function? You're not in that situation. You don't expect a lot of big sweeping change because why would the Republicans sign off on that? You know, um, so those two have a lot more power than uh, they probably should, <laughs> um, and you know. That, that's something where I think you just keep building out the coalition. You keep putting these, like you said, lightning rods in there to affect change. And I think over time, the population will get used to some of these ideas that seem radical at the time. You know, th- this party today does not really even still reflect the Obama kind of coalition. It's, 
time happens and things change. Is it? Is it? Is it? I know. I'm. I'm. I'm I gotta wear you out with this political stuff. I told you. Told you. You got a your political science major. I got. I got somebody here now. You know, you, you're my expert without CNN and NBC and Fox. You know, because them guys is paid, man. But anyway, look. Let me. Is is it anybody, um, in the Republican Party, that's on the rise that we should be. We should be like this guy's coming, or this female's coming, this person's coming. Excuse my language. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I think uh, Trump has taken so much kind of oxygen out of the room that it's hard to see what's next. You know, like like you mentioned Tim Scott. Like I could see a guy like that making a move. You know, out of everybody in the party. I think unfortunately, what happened with Trump and uh, you know, I think time will bear this out. A lot of their kind of traditional guys like the Marco Rubio's, the Ted Cruz, it's going to be hard for those guys to run after Trump. So I think it's going to have to be somebody that Trump kind of like anoints because the way this election is going, he still has a, a lot of political power in that party, even losing the presidency. So uh, it, it's funny because me, me and your uncle, we, we were talking about Tim Scott mm -hmm. and uh, we both was like, yo, if he was to drop Pence and make Tim Scott his running mate, how interesting it would be! It, how interesting the race could have been. Um, I had, I had, I had, a, I had a wild card in the Democratic Party, man. I, I was a big Castro guy, man. Oh yeah, who? who? Yeah, Julian. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I don't, I don't think a lot of people understood his platform. I, but he just didn't have the money. I, is the money in the uh, the name recognition? Like, he he gives me somewhat like like o those Obama vibes, like the young guy who like knows his stuff and knows his demographic because he he's in a tougher space for a Democrat. Uh, I think he's based out of Texas, and um, yeah. you know, like that's that's a tough area, and he holds himself well. But you're right, you got to get that money behind you. You got to get the support because, as you see, this election, millions. <laughs> Billions of dollars. I think they I think they raised a billion apiece. Yeah, yeah. Trump, Trump made his lot earlier in the campaign, and Biden came on late with money. Uh, but it looks like you know, it wasn't about the money. I think this election was a lot about just this was a feeling election. This was about how people felt about the candidates and what they wanted. Yeah, I know the, a lot of the, a lot of the like I said, the experts on um, TV. I don't I don't watch it. I I actually. It's funny. I follow I follow both sides on Twitter. Yeah. For some reason, I think I get more out of Twitter than what they do on camera. Something about mm -hmm. it. Um. A lot of a lot of even some of the the, the people who, that are usually lean Democratic, they're basically feeling like they lost. Yeah. See, I'm it's glad weird, it's a weird feeling. It's like we didn't dismiss. We didn't. "Quote unquote," we didn't demolish Trump with all his issues. Like we lost. Yeah, see that. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the energy I've been getting. Like throughout the week, I've been texting people, and even the night of, I'm like, "Look, you're seeing what you're seeing," and like this is where I think there's inroads and stuff. But this was always going to be a close election, and I think that these people, because we're in our bubbles, don't understand the Trump appeal to his base. You know, you got to kind of take your emotion out of what you're seeing. No, his base. Now, I'm being sarcastic. His base is all racist. <laughs> that, but see, like when you when you do that, because like every time I see like that type of commentary, 
you know, those guys, they just re-entrenched. So part of the reason I think that Trump did as well as he did in this in this election was kind of a, a pushback and a FU to all the people that have been calling him racist for all this time. And again, you know, I'm not here to say who's racist, who's not racist, but uh, there's other reasons besides race that people vote for Trump, or at least that's what they say, right? And when you just label somebody, no one wants to be put in a box, no one wants to be labeled. So if you got a guy that's like saying, these guys are telling you who you are, vote for me. That's a better message <laughs> than uh, people think. I think, you know, those types you know, of things are... I, I find it interesting because, um, you know, Vice President Biden is mm-hmm. from is from Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. And he didn't go to his hometown. His hometown is actually considered blue. He didn't go there. He came to the county that I live in. Which is which is red, and him and um, Senator Harris, they he came here three times in the last two months. She came here, I think, twice. I think the other day, Saturday, she came, and like they, one thing I can say, they really, really were in the battleground states and in, in, in those areas, um, you know, fighting and tugging, and and it, it's funny because when they were still on the campaign trail, and the the polls kept saying it's a runaway mm-hmm. i was seeing the other side saying nah they know they're in for a dog fight that's why they're campaigning hard and i always um remember from a kid about the bradley effect how a person to tell you one thing oh i'm voting such and such but then go in the booth and do something else it's like an uh right. an effect that a shock shocked the polls and i really do believe that um a lot of the, 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 like I said, the Democrat pundits is like, yo, we, this is a message to us. Like, we need to get it together. They, they, they need to get it together because they're using a system that clearly isn't working, right? Like, this is, at this point, actually three elections in a row where you, your numbers are lying to you, right? Now, they're going to edge it out and, you know, these pollsters are going to say, well, it's the margin of error and then look at the popular vote. But they got a real problem. They they don't know how to read this electorate. And um, to your point, like you got to get in those battlegrounds because it's not even about winning your county if it's red. It's about peeling off two percent, two percent here, two percent here. Run up your numbers in a in a place that could run up twenty thousand extra votes on you. Now it's you know now it's ten. And over wow. time, that's how you that's how you win. <laughs> Make your numbers. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because like uh. Like me and your uncle, me and your uncle always talk about this stuff because we get we get politically like uh, politics just like overwhelming. Yeah. So then when he takes his his break, his sabbatical from social media for uh, for forty days, right? Mm-hmm. It always come back and then like now within eight months, people are gonna be preparing for the midterms and it's like oh man, here yeah. we go again and more politics stuff. So. Reggie, man, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show, man, and, and, and giving us some of that political education, man. And, um, you know, I really hope that you decide with your family um, what you want to do politically with your career, man, because uh, I believe that New Jersey, I've talked to three young people from New Jersey, younger people, and whew, yeah. y'all some smokers, man. Uh one was she she was going to the educational sector but i believe that she's progressive democrat as well and man 
surprise you. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep up. You know, I I got so many hobbies, but like uh, I think in a lot of ways it, it calls me, and I, I don't think I'm gonna be out of that game uh, my whole life. I think. Well, you, well, you got your, you got your Super Bowl going on now, man. It, you know, let's just hope. And I and and, and I'm not a um. I, I I got some. I went to school for a little bit of law stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't really into the Supreme Court. I don't think the Supreme Court is as left leaning and right leaning as people try to make it out to be. I really mm-hmm. believe that they try to stick to the, their interpretation of the law. Mm-hmm. But I hope this doesn't end up in court, man. There's let's put it this way. There's a lot of uh, legal battles happening right now. My early take on this is the way kind of the Trump camp is uh, fighting this. Uh, nah, like it, they're not going after the right side of this to change much, in my opinion. But yeah, you know, I know I know Michigan threw out some stuff, which was which was good. Not you know, I'm not gonna say I'm not I'm not gonna say um you know. Uh, I care who wins. I'll just I voted down ballot. You know what you I'm yeah. quite sure you know what down ballot means. Um oh, yeah. I couldn't in my right mind see me checking a box for either one. Of them. I, I hear you. You're not, you're not <laughs> either either one of them people. So um really man, I, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And um you're more than welcome to come on here, man. We we, we talk about your comedy. You know, you, you, you want to do anything, just just let me know, and uh, I got you. Hey, appreciate that. So I got and you. On, uh, everybody in the chat, uh, let's thank Reggie Parker, man. Young guy, man. Y'all pay attention to that name. That name's going to be uh, a very big name in the future in New Jersey politics, hopefully. Uh, with that, everybody in the chat, take care. Have a blessed night. Stay on, Reg. Appreciate it. Yeah.